Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, and I'm here with Life Johnson. Howdy. And Michael Simon. Hello. On today's show, we'll talk about Apple's recent financials and Apple's battle with parental control apps. Plus, Michael Simon will show us how to preserve audio, video quality, not audio. This is audio, but he's going to talk about video quality when sharing videos between iPhones and Android phones. And we'll wrap up the show with your hot takes from the Macworld social feeds. So yesterday was kind of the big news day for uh, Apple. Apple announced its second quarter 2019 results. And the big news that came out of it is that uh, iPhone sales fell, but... As, as expected. As yes. expected, but services... Uh, revenue is up and it's up a lot. The market reacted very positively to Apple's results. I don't know what the stock is right now. I'm not here to give stock advice. Well, it it, it bumped back over a trillion today, which mm-hmm. it hasn't been in a many many months. Yeah, yeah. So that, it's still it's still positive. Yeah. Uh, the the bigger takeaway is its um, guidance was very strong for next quarter. I think I was particularly interested that the investors didn't freak out over hearing, you know, iPhone sales are down, which means they're more likely to buy into this narrative that services, you know, Apple is doing a good job of shoring up that, you know, decline in iPhone sales with its services. So it, it's it shows promise for the future. And I know I was reading CNBC and there were some investors that they had spoken to that were skeptical about how well it work, would work. But, you know, for now they're optimistic. So there's that. Yeah, I I think Apple was smart to kind of get 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 ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was the, the holiday quarter. They they issued that warning and they said, "Listen, iPhone sales aren't what they were." And they they kind of played it up like the whole sky was falling. And then when it came out, it wasn't so bad. And then this quarter, it's it's not as bad as the not so bad from last quarter. Yeah. So, you know, iPhone sales are bad, but everything else is strong. iPad sales were up were up yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they have more than just the iPhone. That's the whole takeaway. As for actual numbers, uh, Apple's, and they, they don't report unit sales anymore. Also smart. Yeah. Apple's net sales in Q2, uh, the quarter ending March 30th, was $31 billion. Last year, it was 37.5. That's just for the iPhone, to be clear. Yeah. That's just for the iPhone. So it's, I, I forget what the percentage down that is. is was it 17? I think it was 17, yeah. yeah. Which is significant. I mean, that's a, that's, they don't break down numbers, but that's a lot of iPhones they didn't sell. Right. Yeah. If, if you look at the net sales by what they call reportable segment, the biggest decline was in, not surprisingly, greater China, where Apple's, I mean, this is a net sales, not net sales by category, but you can kind of maybe extrapolate out. And net sales in Greater China was ten billion, down from thirteen billion last year. You know, you can maybe extrapolate and say, okay, so the so China was where sales kind of slowed down. Yeah, but that's a smaller percentage than it was last quarter. If that makes right. sense, meaning that they they lost more in China uh, last quarter than they did this quarter. So it's the the trend is slowing. Yeah. And you know a lot of that is um, Huawei. Yeah, they they released a report last year that they are just blowing up every, and they don't even sell phones in the U.S. and they're blowing yeah. up. 
And Apple, honestly, they don't really have a strategy to counter Huawei. Right. You know, Huawei, it's a it's an Asian, it's a, it's a China company. Yeah. They are very innovative. They make great phones. They make a, a phones across a wide spectrum. They're into networking and everything else. And, you know, I think Apple is just kind of content to, at the moment, let kind of seed that ground. You know, anyone who who thinks that Apple could be number one in China, I think they're kind of, that, that's that's not really the way to be thinking of it. They want to be competitive. And mo- yeah. more, most importantly, they want to show growth right. against Huawei. I don't know if I actually want to and say I, you this. Know, they, no, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, uh, if they try to uh, specifically target Huawei, it's going to be extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, because uh, it you know, wasn't related to what we were talking about, but, uh, you know, iPad sales. The, the, the fact that they keep going up really surprises me. You know, I'm, I'm an iPad fan. I write a lot about it, but, you know. There's not a lot about it that says, yeah, i got to have myself a new iPad and stuff. And, you know, I, I do think that's interesting because it, it does, you know, maybe show that people are buying into that idea that you mainly need a tablet. And here in San Francisco, I do see a lot of places that are using, you know, iPads as like interactive devices for buying things and stuff. Uh, so I kind of wonder if some, some of that is, you know, a lot of companies buying them for those purposes, too. And, you know, I'd have to get out of our bubble to see how much that <laughs> oh, so not necessarily individual sales but a lot more corporate right sales. exactly so, yeah yeah ipad net sales reached 4.8 billion this past quarter compared to yeah they, they were up like 30 30 last year that's up is is it okay to say that that's possibly boosted by the, the fact that apple released two new ipads is that does that work in line with that i don't know if the timing's right yeah i mean i think the ipad yeah. air more so than the mini i mean the, the air is basically last year's yeah. pro for a heck of a lot less i know a lot of people are excited about the mini though yeah yeah then they, they were i mean I, I don't i'm sure they sold plenty of those but the 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 air and also last year's that 9.7 inch with pencil support i mean they're they're they're, they're focusing as much on the lower end as they are on the ipad pro and the higher end which is a right. bit of a shift in their strategy and I think it's paying off. And let's face it, there's no if you want a tablet, you you're gonna buy an right. iPad. There's nothing else out there. Still isn't. You know, I'll say that I used to like, you know, poo-poo on the idea of, you know, like a like an iPad mini, but since it's had that's the one I've been taking home is <laughs> because I do actually like that portable size and Yeah, it's cool. I wish that if they made an iPad mini mm-hmm. and an iPad Pro form factor, I'd That'd buy be wonderful. The hell yeah, out and of that. I, I said that in my review. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think maybe there was a sense that the tablet was kind of losing steam in terms of a platform, but maybe it's not as accelerated as before, but it's, it's still viable. So Apple and Apple sales prove that. Yeah. And, you know, at, at, at the beginning, I mean, it, it blew up because, you know, it, people had never seen anything like it before. It was relatively affordable and um, it, there was nowhere to really to go, but down. Apple now has a new category called wearables, home, and accessories. This used to be the, was it called? Other category. Other, yeah. And so <laughs> this category includes AirPods and the Apple Watch and HomePod? Because it's home, yeah. And yeah, Apple yeah, reported net yeah. sales of $5.1 billion. That's way up from 3.9. Even though people want to say, "Oh, yeah, that's Apple Watch sales," I think it's more. I think it's really more AirPod sales that's pushing that category right now. 
Yeah, probably probably a bit of both. You know, I think they're selling they're selling lots of AirPods, but I think they're selling. I see a lot more Apple, Apple watches, watches too. than I than I I I I, I noticed them a lot more, and I use and I've always looked for them since since I've been here, and uh, so it, it does actually seem to be catching on a little bit more. I, w- I was at an event in my uh, kids' elementary school last week, and I saw like a bunch of not a bunch, maybe like five kids with AirPods. Like, well, what the hell? They're, like they're like t- they're like nine years old. <laughs> Walking around with a hundred and sixty dollar earbuds in the ears. Those are some uh, fancy people you got going to that school. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. And then we mentioned uh, success of Apple services: eleven point four billion dollars, up from nine point nine, essentially. Yeah, what, what's most interesting about that is that doesn't really account for any of the new stuff. So that stands to like double in the hop by the holiday. Yeah, that's quarter, a number to look out for because yeah, they didn't haven't released any new services in a while. So the fact that that number is growing. Yeah, I mean, there's Apple News Plus, but I don't know how much that accounts for. I mean, let's Netflix reported what sixteen billion? Uh, no, what, what what was their recent? I, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Netflix revenue was. Um, in, in the most recent quarter, five point four billion. That could be a, a, a massive area for uh, for growth for Apple. That'll be a number to look out for, I guess, Q one twenty twenty, because of the fall. Yeah, it'll it'll probably be a, a bit of the holiday quarter yeah. as well. I mean, because that's um, September, October, December. If it launches the end of September, that's a that's a good chunk of that quarter. I believe their Q one is actually the holiday quarter. It is the yeah. way Apple works so correct a lot of companies do that they do the q1 to holiday quarter so they can start the year off with a huge number uh max sales were f- relatively flat 5.5 billion versus 5.8 billion that's been the steady mac for how many years now yeah I mean, that that's number fluctuates between four and a half and close to six sometimes right um depending on when new Macs are released it's it's pretty much that not, it's it's always hovered around five for a while. I think there was a yeah, I think there was a time right. when it was at four and a half for like three quarters uh, because Apple wasn't releasing any Macs. the The market thinks that's a, that's a pretty good quarter. Apple made fifty eight billion. What was it fifty eight billion in revenue, which was on the high end of what they projected. Yeah, it, it generally is. That's they're they're usually extremely conservative with their um, guidance. But yeah, it was it was a really good quarter, and uh, amplified by the fact that Google had a not so good one the day before, so it made Apple's look even better. And then, like I said, the guidance for next quarter is surprisingly strong. Where if they hit the upper end, it would actually be a very small uh, percentage to growth, which is surprising to happen so quickly. Yeah, Apple says they expect to post revenue between fifty-two point five billion and fifty-four point five. Yeah, uh, last year it made uh, it was a fifty-three something billion. So and so that that could mean that there's some fun stuff coming at WWDC. We'll see. Yeah, WWDC is coming in June. So basically, you know, there'll be a bunch of announcements, and that could spur people to spend money. So a pretty good quarter for Apple overall. Is uh, Apple a trillion dollar company again? As of this morning, yeah. I mean, it'll probably change while we're right. talking. At the minute, but, right. but I mean, let's not forget it had gone. I, 
don't remember exactly, but it was either at 800 or below 800, not that long ago. So uh, they really recovered quick. Yeah. So Apple's pretty optimistic about the idea that iPhone sales are going to be uh, on the upswing. Or or at least not on the downswing Right, yeah. But yeah, good stuff. Uh, You can get details on Apple's quarterly results on our website. We also have a column by Jason Snell talking about his take on some of the announcements that happened during the uh, results announcement. So check those out on our website. So now it's time for our feature discussion. The New York Times recently reported on developers who had their apps removed from Apple's App Store. These apps directly competed with Apple's Screen Time app, which offers parental controls and screen time tracking. So this kind of was a little bit of a controversy that happened late last week. Uh, Saturday. The article ran on Saturday. Yeah. So it happened over the weekend. A lot of developers had their apps pulled that were kind of direct competitors to Apple's screen time. It was 11 out of 17. And it was seen as some as a competitive Apple trying to be trying to wipe out the competition. Phil Schiller and Apple PR came out with an explanation saying that uh, these apps that we pulled used something called mobile device management, MDM, which compromises the security and privacy of the user, and that's why these apps were pulled. So there's a part of me that wants that you want, when I saw this, you know, I was thinking that maybe, you know, because Apple let them use this for a long time, I think that this is kind of like blowback from the thing with Facebook and Google back in January, you know, where, you know, TechCrunch pointed out that, oh, it was giving them all this control over the devices and, oh, we're called out, we're going to shut those down. So now it's more of Apple sticking to its guns because this, you know, kind of thing also gives you that kind of, you know, control over your devices. And I think it's just trying to stick to its promises now so that's one of the ways i see yeah it, it does seem like it's two sides of the same coin there with the uh, installing of profiles that potentially give third parties access to data and um uh, your your phone that you don't realize that you're giving them that the facebook apps th- th- that was found to use mdm too is that right it was their enterprise and so it, it sounds like they do something similar but you know it was for the company to affect multiple devices at once but i don't know if that uses the same platform but the idea you know the same type of tools seem like they would be available and i think that's why i haven't seen people talking about it is because they are technically two different things but the more i was thinking about it is that i think they're actually related and it's like i said it's kind of apple sticking to its guns over what it did with that one so you know it was like you called us out on this now we're going to live into it and yeah the the timing is certainly suspect in that apple just released screen time in ios 12 but it's also could just simply be that it brought these issues to the surface, both with that and with the Facebook thing. And they investigated a little bit closer and they realized that these um, mobile device management profiles could be used nefariously. There's no evidence that any of these apps or developers were, but they basically just, you know, they're being 
precautionary rather than reactionary. See, that's my thing. Know, I mean, it's With the, you know, whenever when other big breaks like this happen, and some, it's like, why didn't Apple see this? How could they let this happen? Right. And you know, so here they are being proactive, and you know, they're yeah, and you know, there's like a billion apps in this store. I mean, things are going to get by. This we're talking about seventeen apps. <laughs> You know, it might seem like a, like a high percentage of those apps, but those apps represent, you know, 0.05% of what's in the store. So no matter how many people they have reviewing and working on these things, you know, th th what was once acceptable when they look at it a little bit closer might not be. And listen, I don't want to defend Apple. I know that this sucks for the developer. That sucks for the people who like these apps. But Phil Schiller's explanation, it was, it, you know, it, it, it did seem sound. Why he didn't give that to the New York Times when they were writing the port is is beyond me, because they could have just cut this off at the source and told the Times that they would have printed it with the with the response. Yeah, if the but New York Times this is, is how Apple works, about a story, you know, you know, respond to the emails, guys. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> <gonna blow out. laughs> I mean, as a, as a journalist with one tenth of the credibility of the New York Times, know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd like to think that somebody would would respond to me. <laughs> So instead, they published this story. It got blown out of proportion. Then Phil Schiller responded to a customer email. Isn't that crazy? Then there was an official statement. And then it all you know, became a story on Monday, which I guess is how Apple wanted it. Because if it breaks over the weekend, then nobody cares. And you know, Apple has been – Phil in particular has been doing that a lot lately where it's his little responses yeah. and emails that go you know, viral on Reddit. Yeah, and that, stuff. that <laughs> so. goes back to this to Steve Jobs days where every now and he would randomly respond to just a person and then a few days later make it, make it official. The thing I'm wondering about is this MDM thing has come up a couple times and doesn't Apple tell developers they're not supposed to be using MDM? I, you know, in other words, in the developer guidelines, is isn't this covered? It maybe it's I believe not they changed the guidelines. Mm. Uh, as far as I, from what I read, it wasn't disallowed or it wasn't um, prohibited. I see. Until um, it was. The way I don't the thing I don't like, especially how long some of these apps have been around. You know, this is kind of related to what you were saying. Is Apple just shut them down? They've been around for ages, and they did actually send letters to some of them saying that features conflict with it. But here's the thing: they didn't actually say what the features were, and so th that was uh, I think it was with a uh, Mobisip. Yes, uh, you know, because they actually received a letter saying that you know we're not going to pull it, but you need to change some features. They didn't actually say what the features were, and. That's kind of BS. And uh, so some of them are, you know, complaining to the European, uh, Euro European, uh, European Commission, you know, and going to get that on there. So Yeah, there's a another lawsuit. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what comes to that. There's antitrust, anti-competitive stuff. I don't really see it as that. If you buy an iPhone XS with screen time, and download another Screen Time app. I don't think that's hurting Apple at all. Screen Time isn't a subscription service. It's not like Spotify yeah, versus Apple Music. Of yeah. Service, yeah. So um, whether or not you use Apple's version or somebody else's version, they're still using it on an iPhone. So I, I don't see it as anti-competitive. But I, um, based on what Leif was just saying, yeah, there was some miscommunication or poor communication on Apple's fault, which we hear about all the time from the app review people like not not to disparage them i'm sure they have an extremely difficult job but 
there's a lot of times developers kind of grumble and say, well, you know, you're, they're not specific enough and we don't know what we need to change. And they just pulled our thing without giving us proper time to change it. So that's, that's, that's longstanding and an issue I've, I've read about for a long time. Well, the thing you were just saying about the competition, um, you know, the fact that, you know, notes is on there, but it's not really competing with anything. I gotta be honest with you. That's the way I felt about internet Explorer and what, Mozilla back in the 90s because it was like you can still download it but you know that was like the whole root of that you know antitrust argument was that it comes pre-installed and uh you know it's like notes and however many other you know word processors you can download for the you know Mac. yeah I mean that's you know the, the the path to the internet in the '90s was a little different than a note-taking app but yeah I I hear what you're saying but I mean, yeah, it's it's you know it's I don't really see much of a difference. It's like, yes, it's pre-installed, but here there's this Spotify. Uh, here's this competitor that you can also download. And so, yeah, it's all very, uh, very gray in this country, and much more definitive in the EU. Yeah. They they're constantly fining and people for yeah. breaking laws that we just don't really, really, we don't really have that that level of of antitrust and anti-competition over here. It's funny. Sometimes I think it's because I'm so like, you know thrown into the capitalist pool and stuff. And so sometimes a lot of that stuff in the, in Europe like strikes me as spite, but at the same time, the more I think about it more logically, it's like, no, they got a point. Yeah. <laughs> they do have a point. Sure. So it, it's, it's, I'm constantly wrestling with myself on this kind of thing. Former Apple VP, uh, Tony Fidel on Twitter, uh, addressed this issue saying that Apple should be, a Building true APIs for screen time. Yeah, I'm so. I'm down with that. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I think Apple. Every time Apple comes out with a feature that's baked into the phone like this, I think an API should come right alongside with it. Definitely. Especially if they're going to change the parameters that Apple yeah. developers are going to work be able to work in. I mean, for for some of these developers, this is their livelihood. You know, Apple. I mean, I don't know exactly which ones were, I don't know. I don't know anything about the numbers they were selling. And, but these are small shops with a couple of developers who have jobs and families and Apple comes along and says, well, you can't do that anymore. And then they're like, well, what do we do? Yeah. Right. So I wish that Apple was a little bit more, um, you know, kind of aware of the, the, the cottage industry that's built up around these specific apps and, you know, really work with developers to, not shut them out, but to embrace what they do that's that's different and in some cases better than um, what Apple does. Apple needs the developers as much as developers totally. need Apple, and it would help if Apple was a little more, made a little more of an effort to get these changes out there and, and be more helpful instead of yeah. just cutting people and off. And at WWDC, they're always like, you know, oh, we couldn't have done this without you. It's all you that makes this yeah. stuff so great. And then it's... But then I do things like this. And see, this is okay. So this is this is the problem I had when I was thinking about this this morning. Tim Cook is going around saying, you know, we need to be regulated. Look, you know, the tech industry is getting out of control. And then Apple turns around and does this type of stuff. It's like, come at me, bro. Look what all the crazy stuff I'm doing with it because I'm not being regulated. And it's almost like they're issuing a challenge with this stuff because this is kind of really, I mean, I can't see how you don't think this is dicey stuff, Tim. Yeah. I do think there's a genuineness to Tim Cook when he says the industry needs to be regulated, but I also think he thinks Apple is above all. Yeah, and it's not. Yes. So you can uh, read more about Apple's uh, battle with uh, the parental control apps on our website. Michael Simon wrote up a pretty good story about it. Really good. How about I'll say a really good story? Pretty <laughs> good story. So, 
summarizing the issues and problems that are at hand. So check out our website to read that story. Now it's time for our two-minute tip. On this part of the show, a Macworld staffer will present a quick tip for your Apple device. This week, Mike has a tip that involves video sharing. So what do you got for us, Mike? Yeah, this is about um, the issue with iPhone and Androids not playing nicely together. I, As some of you know, I, I use a lot of Android phones and I have a lot of friends and family with iPhones. I think we all do. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I thought we should share this tip because... Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a yeah it's and it's a it's a confounding problem that people might not even realize that it can be fixed. So when you send a video to from an iPhone to an Android phone or from an Android to an iPhone, if it's over a certain size and it's not a very big size, it's like I don't know fifteen megabytes or something. It's it's very small. It'll it'll show up and it'll basically be unwatchable. And if you're in a group. And you're sending, you know, to iPhone and Android, it it defaults to SMS rather than iMessage because it's one, you know, as I say, one bad apple spoils a bunch. And the, the the video is just a blurry mess. The reason is because of compression and Apple's recompression, Verizon and AT&T's compression, and they don't work nicely together. And by the time it shows up, it's just a it's a disaster. So what you, what can you do? The you you unfortunately have to go back to more old school ways of sending things. You can use another another messaging app like WhatsApp or something like that, but everybody has to be on the same platform. That'll work fine. You can use email, which is the best way because that'll just show up as an attachment and it'll be the normal size. You download it, you watch it, and it's fine. You can use Google Photos, which is cross-platform. You can get that on Android, the desktop, or your iPhone. Send a link that way. And, and you know, people will be able to watch it. It's slightly compressed, but not anywhere near the, the, the garbled nonsense you get otherwise. Or you can just download it to your Dropbox or your Google Drive and send a link that way. Any of those will work. Yes, they're a little less convenient than just clicking on the, the message icon and sending it. But you'll be sure that um, you will be able to see it on the other end and people will know what you're sending them. I have to admit, when you were writing that article, I was hoping I was just going to open it and say, like, oh, there was just some setting and settings that they're going to change. And I was like, oh, that's the solution? Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Back to that, are we? <laughs> so, but, yeah, the fact that you can actually still get it, that's that's a good thing. Yes. And I don't think there's any – it's not necessarily Apple's fault or anyone's fault. It's – this is just the way it's going to be until carriers pick up um, rich metricing and everything becomes uniform, which is going to be a long time. So it seems like maybe the best, maybe the most optimal solution is to like upload it to a site, whether it's your online storage like Dropbox or I would maybe even YouTube and then share the link sure. to that. Yeah, that, that would that would work. I mean, that, that's another. If you want to do YouTube, that's another step, and then you got to worry about making it private or not private. But yeah, that anything, anything, any kind of a service that lets you share that isn't over just normal SMS, it'll work fine. Yeah. So if you're sharing videos with your Android friends, do them do them a favor and uh, find a different way to share videos. We have uh, the complete steps. Mike has the complete steps for this how-to on our website. Check our show notes. Check our homepage for the how-to. So now it's time for your hot takes. 
we like getting uh, messages from our listeners and our readers on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, if you've got a comment or question for us, you can uh, contact us on Twitter. It's at MacWorld or on the MacWorld Facebook page. Uh, you can even send us an email. That's podcast at MacWorld.com. Here are a couple of comments that caught our eye this week. Uh, the first comes from at Math Vosberg. It's a response to Apple uh, discontinuing Aperture after Mac OS Mojave. He simply said, Aperture is a great app. I switched to Photos, but it's not the same. Yeah, Aperture is being discontinued because, because it's a 32-bit app. And after Mojave, Apple or uh, Mac OS is only going to support 64-bit software. So you won't be able to run Aperture after Mojave. So you, you, you could do one of three things. You could switch to Photos which is what Apple recommends. You can switch to a third-party app like Lightroom. Yeah, Lightroom is a lot better than Photos. Yeah, or you can just use Mojave for the rest of your life <laughs> and never upgrade. Here's a question. I'm not a photo guy. Is Are, are like the, the better features from Aperture, do they kind of port over to Photos? I, no, it's greatly no. simplified. It is greatly simplified. So then why um, it's not a did Apple ever give a reason as to why it, it stopped supporting Aperture? They never did, really. Uh, I don't like how they're getting away. Uh, at this point, it's like, when are they going to shut down GarageBand? It's like they're getting away yeah. from all these creative apps that they used to make for creatives. Yeah, and it's, you know, and Aperture was good for its time. And I know everybody's lamenting and they say it's the best one. Nah, Lightroom's better these days, uh, especially with color color adjustments. And uh, But, uh, you know, just... Well, it hasn't been it. updated in, I don't know. Exactly. Years, and that's so, what I mean yeah. by, yeah, these days. Yeah, because at, at the time, you could make an argument that Aperture was the best, but yeah, other ones, and I, I, I'm focusing on Lightroom since that's the one I use, and I love Lightroom, but uh, but yeah, there are also some other better ones. But uh, but yeah, I as far as its build, yeah, it's, it's I'm sorry, guys, it's time to let it go. But I do wish that Apple had maintained it. I... I, I I don't like that they're getting away from that type of thing. Also, I just want to say it's kind of funny that we were just talking about, you know, Apple talking, you know, trying but that it's shutting down these third party apps and it's like use our our stuff, and then here they are shutting down their once wonderful and it was a good one too. That was a thing. And, to to uh, be fair, Apple didn't say use our stuff. They pointed to other third party apps that don't use um, MDM. I mean, Apple rarely says don't use third-party apps, use ours, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I was being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cease and desist literally. That's right. <laughs> uh, at Michael Kuda also said that he absolutely hates when Apple does things like this. It, it creates huge amounts of unwanted work. Apple has a support document for people who use Aperture, uh, and you can't, if you're going to do something like switch to Lightroom, you can't just, just do a straight migration because there's you'll lose certain uh, aspects of your of your data. Oh, so is, is there a formatting? Like I know Apple uses that high efficiency image format. Is that a supported by Lightroom? I, I mean, it just seems weird that they just stop making a, their own photo editing software. Yeah, especially when it was so robust. Yeah, right. yeah people like Yeah, that. I don't know if Lightroom supports Heath. I yeah, and I don't I don't know if any other third party app supports Heath. I, I don't I mainly work in RAW and JPEG, so 
But yeah, Apple does this every once in a while. They, they'll take an app and they'll say, yeah, we're not going to support it anymore. And I th I'd like to think there's some thought behind it that they saw that the user base was enough for them to sacrifice yeah, or probably, something. Probably, I'm, but, that's sure. But, but the thing was, Aperture was a good app. That's the thing. So you know, it'd be one thing if it was an app that wasn't being updated or anything like that. And then they just decided to, to drop it. But it had some good features and and they updated it on a regular basis. So it's unfortunate, but it's one of those things. Uh, another comment, this is in regards to uh, an article that staff writer Jason Cross wrote. Uh, it's an article about what Apple can learn from the iPhone XR's success. Uh, the comment was from at Finkline on Twitter. And he said that the one thing he overlooked when choosing the XR was assuming that it had 3D touch. Although he's in the minority, had he not been so hasty in his decision, he would have chosen another iPhone 8 instead of the XR. He, he likes his phone, but he definitely misses 3D touch. So he's, he's the one, huh? He's the one person <laughs> using it. I actually do use 3D Touch. So, like, it's me and uh, Finkline who use 3D Touch. What I don't understand is why Apple didn't just come up with a system that isn't 3D Touch but still does the same thing with the, with the icon stuff. Android does it. Apple does it on some icons, but most of them not. I don't get it. Just give me the thing without the screen thing. <laughs> 3D Touch definitely feels like one of those features that it's there and then nobody at Apple is paying attention to it, yeah. which explains why it's, which to me explains why it's inconsistent. Give me like contextual menus without the, the press thing. Like it, it can be done. Right, exactly. That's, that's what I was surprised by with the 10R is that they just didn't, you know, come up yeah. with an alternate way to do it. I never use it on my Mac either for what it's worth. But if one thing we've learned about the iPhone XR is that, you know, the fact that it doesn't have three touches, 3D touch is not a deterrent. So it's obvious that no one's using 3D touch. Well, I mean, part of the reason is because Apple really never gave us a reason to do it. I mean, yeah. it was a couple of, you know, like, oh, you can quickly send a message to the last person you send it to, but there was never any like real killer application for it. And to me, it's something like you have to train yourself to use. As also true, yeah. Very intuitive. It's it's like, oh, I have to remember to do this. Yeah, it's the same thing with that blasted touch bar. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking I'm not, that myself. I'm not looking for a whole new new way to, to, to do stuff. Well, as much as I say I use 3D Touch, I have to admit, half the time I use 3D Touch, it doesn't have the thing I want to implement. That's so I use too. it and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I can't, use, well, I can't do what I want to yeah. do, so I have to... Okay, we use it regularly. The best like thing the it was the, the best part of it is when you can open those links in like messages. That's the coolest implementation of it. But again, you don't really need 3D Touch to do that. So that just about does it for this week's episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode number six forty nine. The next episode six fifty. That's a big number. Woo! You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through soundcloud.com or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on Facebook. And join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next week. Hey.